0: Here I am again. I spoke out a turn just one more time. You think I'd learn by now?
1: Half of what I say can make you cry. Well, welcome to this edition of the Whiskey Mop Music Radio Podcast Series. I'm your host, Todd, middle initial C. Walker. Yes, that's right. It is me, and we are currently listening to a song from the 2008 CD titled "Doug Allen Wilcox" by Doug Allen Wilcox. The song is "Slow Learner." Let's listen to the rest of it.
0: How to finally make you proud of me? Can't you see? I lost my heart again to a shiny thing, a prize I can't obtain. You might wonder why I ride round and round Can't ever grab that big grass ring I'm a slow learner Sometimes all I need is one more try Give me one more chance I might grow up before Before I I die die. Sometimes a flower just won't bloom Until the time is right to Open up and and fill the room Here I am again.
1: We've been listening to Doug Allen Wilcox sing his song "Slow Learner," and Doug Allen Wilcox just happens to be my guest this week for the Wispy Pop Music Radio podcast. He is a founding member of Fame. Fame stands for Frederick Acoustic Music Enterprise. It's a local regional organization that helps preserve and promote acoustic music of all genres. Doug also happens to be a seasoned touring songwriter. And he actively performs in the local, regional, and all the way up and down the East Coast quite often. And I'm so pleased to have him on the show today. But because of the coronavirus health scare, it's advised that we don't sit across the table from one another or congregate in large groups. So I'm, we'll be speaking to him via cell phone. So. While I get him on the cell phone, you're going to hear a little bit of bumper music, and the song that you're going to hear is Keeper of the Stars by Doug Allen Wilcox. (laughs) ¶¶
0: Too clear. Some days I can't seem to find The path to be
1: taken between your heart and mine Doug, are you there? I am here. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> so I was waiting for you to say, hello, how are you? Oh! That's quite all right.
2: I was listening to the music. <laughs> Can
1: you actually hear it?
2: I can,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Do you recognize the song? I,
2: I can. I, <laughs> I haven't heard that song in a really long time, nor that
0: version.
1: <laughs> well, I thought it would be perfect for bumper music while I get you on the phone. And uh, it's going to go away now. There it goes. <laughs>
0: there we go. There we go.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm speaking with Doug Allen Wilcox, and he is a founding member of Fame. But he, most importantly, is a touring and I say touring because he still does tour, maybe not as extensively as he once did, touring singer-songwriter. He also happens to be an accomplished sideman, which we're going to be discussing in the course of this interview for about the next hour or so. But first of all, thank you so much for being on the show, Doug.
2: I appreciate you asking me, uh... Uh, li- life in the uh, life in the times of pandemic huh <laughs>
1: <laughs> You know at one time that would be a great name for rock group.
2: <laughs> Not so funny anymore I don't think
1: <laughs> No I mean and maybe it'll be re- reused sometime in the future
2: there you go. There you go.
1: So the song that I actually led the show in with is called Slow Learner from your 2008 CD, oh, Doug Allen Wilcox. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you remember recording that song?
2: I do. That was recorded. Um, wow. Well, I can tell a story about that. Uh, I had my, my very first recording uh, came out in about 1999, which uh, I believe you uh you remember you you uh, probably have a copy of that. It was called "So It Goes." I do. Um, I, I did that in a uh, in a friend's. Uh, for, for those uh, who know anything about the technical side of music, uh, there used to be a recording format called ADAT, uh, which was actually on um, oh I don't know I think maybe half inch tape or something. Uh, it, it was a sort of a, a digital uh, uh, tape crossover at that point. Um, but at any rate, we, we did the very first record, uh, in my friend's ADAT studio. And, uh, after that, uh, I, I had decided, um, I had decided I I wanted to record a second record. So, uh, I got together with another friend who had a digital studio running and uh, we started work on the second record and he <laughs> he broke up with his uh with his live-in mate who happened to actually own all the equipment. So I was really put on the spot, I, what am I going to do? I'm halfway into this record now. So I I figured out how to do it at home, and uh, I started my second record at home, and then we fast-forward a little bit further, and that that was a learning curve. It's it's been a learning curve for the past uh, uh, 30 years here, but uh, uh, fast-forward a little bit to the, the third CD that came out that contained Slow Learner, and by that time, I was getting It wasn't great, but I was getting more comfortable with recording at home. So actually, Slow Learner was uh, recorded in my office uh, in Frederick at the time, uh, me doing all the instruments and all the vocals. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of what happened there.
1: Well, what was your studio like at that point in time? What were you recording with?
2: I had, (laughs) here again, maybe some of the, the technically minded folks will remember some of this, My software was Cakewalk, and it may have even been a free something because my budget was, my budget now isn't much better, but it was certainly limited. And I had um, a Windows based uh, desktop computer of some sort. Um, I think the most advanced piece of gear I had was maybe a. a cheap Russian-made uh, condenser microphone, and uh, and and that was pretty much it. Uh, little set of computer speakers to monitor with, and uh, and there you go.
1: <laughs> now, did you record directly into CakeWalk, or did you have a preamp that you went through?
2: Um, at that time, uh, and and here again, re- still really pretty uh, basic. I do believe I had a um uh, like a four channel mixing board that that was really supposed to be for live sound that I ran um uh, mics into and 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 of course i multi tracked so it was one track at a time one mic at a time uh but I was running into the little mixer and then from the mixer and it was still at that point in time like rca connectors and things you know so i ran from the little mixer into the computer uh soundboard uh, and then that went of course into cakewalk
1: well the quality of that cd because that's the is that that's the one that slow learner was on so that's the uh
2: small town cd okay Uh, i'm pretty sure yeah
1: okay but it actually sounded very very good
2: well thank you i i i was fairly proud of it and it it ended up getting radio airplay it was good enough for that back in the day so
1: that's all you can ask for (laughs) yes sir (laughs) now your first cd the so it goes cd you had other folks uh track you know guitar parts things like that i think didn't you i did
2: i did yeah yeah um my uh my input on that cd i actually at at the time i had been working in bands and I had a core group of musicians that I played with uh, for for 10 or 12 years out in some stage bands. And then we'd just get together and jam. And we'd do events. Um, so at the point in time, I had been songwriting pretty much since I started playing in groups, which was... Uh, the very, very early seventies. Um, but I hadn't really explored songwriting until shortly before that first CD came out. And I, I, I had stuff that I had sort of backlogged for quite some time and wanted to record. Uh, but I, I was, I had designated myself at that point in time as a singer songwriter. I was no longer a band member. However, that core group of people that I talked about, um, at that time, uh, I hadn't started traveling yet. And so we were playing local shows around Frederick, Maryland. And, uh, because I was working so closely with those guys, they were all, they were my backup band for live shows at the time. And they also then, uh, uh were my, were my session band. So, uh, it was, uh, bill leopards uh his brother jt leopards their cousin harry leopards and a fellow by the name of uh, david horch um and i believe that was uh i believe that was the group of, of folks uh local pedal steel guitar player by the name of buddy griffin uh was on that cd um I believe that was it. But, uh, yeah, folks I was familiar with at the time. uh,
1: Now, did you find it much more difficult when you did everything yourself or was it easier?
2: Um, um, there's a plus in my experience, there's a plus side and a minus side to that. Um, in later years, I also did some more work, uh, out of house uh, in in another fellow's studio, and by now we had upgraded. He had the full um, he had the full complement of, of Apple equipment and, and Pro Tools and, and whatnot. Um, uh, but but particularly basing it on that experience, um, he worked as both engineer and producer in that case, and very often. Within a few seconds of a take uh, in those sessions, he'd tell me, no, that wasn't quite right. Do it again. Wasn't quite right. Do it again. And so I I find it beneficial to have a separate set of ears um, while you're tracking, you know, to be able to hear and catch things. Um, The the upside then to recording at home, I, I, you know, I'm not able, always able to catch things on the fly, but I do find it a whole lot more comfortable, uh, because my schedule uh, with any given session is completely my own. Um, I show up to my office in bedroom slippers and, uh, you know, it, uh, So, so there are, there are the upsides and the downsides. I I think basically it's just, you have to be a whole lot more, um, uh, just discretionary when you're recording yourself and it takes a little more time to, to get that done. Uh, um, other than that, if, if time is no object, I actually find it, I, I like it a bit better, um.
1: Which, the uh, in-home or?
2: The the in-home, the in-home, yeah. Um,
1: well, it's uh, really amazing how many songwriters, and not necessarily even songwriters, but singer-songwriters, right? Um, which encompasses people who write and who also just do covers, who now produce and engineer their own CDs. They may, or their own recordings, I should say, because now mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. going back to albums and things like that, but... <laughs> The, but they they will then bring people in when they want someone who plays something they don't play, but they sure. do it in in their basement or they have a say a cottage out behind their house or up in the attic or or whatever It's really quite amazing technology has has made it so easy
2: the The technology has gone in leaps and bounds, and it's just crazy yeah i could I could actually do a a cd quality recording on my phone at this point if i really really wanted to now you know it's a it's a little more difficult to work around things like that but but the quality is there um (laughs) and i thought
1: they were just for making phone calls
2: (laughs) well there you go see no your your phone is that's the last thing on your phone's list anymore you know um but but i i think Uh, Unfortunately, I think. um, I don't know. I want to I want to give everyone the opportunity to do to follow their passion and do what they feel. But I do feel a certain downside in the current technological environment in that we have an awful lot of folks who are able to record uh, without necessarily quite the, uh, quite the level of talent, uh, one, one can record and put something up online, uh, and, uh, you know, in the matter of a day and, um, uh, uh, our, our bars have the, the level of our bars have changed a little bit. I think that's, that's, uh, we no longer have record companies, uh, who are able to say thanks, but no thanks, you know?
1: <laughs> well, and, and you also so. don't have the record companies who say carte blanche here, take three months, make a CD.
2: And this is true. This is true. Again, upsides and downsides. So, uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. It's a, a very interesting time. Uh, I don't think I'd have it any other way. I mean, um, I certainly, wh- whether you like my songs or don't like my songs or, or or think the level of recording is good or bad or whatever, uh, I do enjoy the very fact that I'm talking about it, being able to, to do it on my own without uh, restrictions from from anyone. No one's telling me, Nah, sorry, that's a bad song. Don't record it. We're not going to finance that recording. Um, So, you know.
1: Well, when you you speak about um, self-recording or recording in your own Mm -hmm. home studio, whatever it is, one of my favorite CDs, and I was reminded of it by my son this past weekend, was um, David Gray's White Ladder CD. It came out in, I guess, the, gosh, mid to late 90s. -hmm. And the first two songs on that CD, one of which became very, very popular, The um, I was just amazed when I read that he recorded that in his house, like in a spare bedroom. Sure, right. And and it became a worldwide hit. And so that's when (laughs) I realized you can do things yourself as long as you understand the process. Exactly. Now, what do you use now for recording that's different from what you did back the first time you did it?
2: Um my mic has upgraded. I still only have one, one good condenser mic. Uh it has upgraded to uh some level of uh audio technica and, and offhand I can't tell you which one that is, but so so that's bumped up a little bit. Uh as far as uh, the rest of the technology, everything is uh Apple these days and uh to t- to to tell you the truth, um I'm recording Straight into uh, GarageBand on an iPad. That, that's my first level of, of recording. Um, I have a um, Focusrite interface uh, that matches with my iPad. Uh, that's GarageBand. Again, Very, really simple, but I've learned to like it. Uh, what I like about recording straight into the iPad is uh, there are no fans. So uh, a, a problem for a lot of folks self-recording is you have the computer in the room with your mic, and if the computer gets gets hot, the fan turns on,
1: ah, and that's you can right. get some
2: background noise.
1: Yeah, that's right. I so hadn't the, thought of that.
2: It's it's a it's a real you know it's, the, the struggle is real as they say. It's a, it's a real problem for um, at home folks. Uh, if you don't have a separate room to put uh, the hardware in, so the iPad doesn't have a fan, so it's totally silent always. Um, and then what I will do from there, uh, I'll pull the uh, the session over into uh, my MacBook, um, and I can edit from there. And at that point, it doesn't matter if it if it does get hot, if the fans come on, whatever, because everything's within. Uh, everything's in the box at that point. It's it's within the computer. Uh, no more microphones. So so it's those two those two levels uh, uh, that I'm working with.
1: But you do still use GarageBand for the editing,
2: I, I and, and actually for the editing too. It's it's all GarageBand. I owned Pro Tools at one point in time and was learning to use it. <laughs> and uh, I'll be perfectly honest. It was at a time uh, where I was having some budgetary struggles and i ended up selling my version of pro tools to someone for a few dollars and uh there went pro tools because even at that time uh it was at least a 400 hundred dollar package um so i i I learned to use garage band um and i don't my recordings are very very basic in fact most of what i do the past the past two collections of recordings have been uh vocal and guitar period uh i've kind of really gotten into liking the stripped down feel of that and it's pretty much identical to what you're going to get at a live show and uh i i may try doing some more produced stuff later on but right now i like that format and so it's i don't need a whole lot uh with my uh with my software.
1: Well, that brings um, up a question, though, because you do—you're very good at percussion. You also play a mean harmonica. And not, <laughs> I've never really heard you play full-on blues on the harmonica. It's mostly been mm-hmm. background uh, singer-songwriter type of stuff. But yeah, yeah, you're somewhat renowned as a sideman
2: Um. That's the thing. I, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that I'm renowned. <laughs> no, that's a thing that for me, um, has always just been total fun. I, I've never really tried to exploit that, um, a, a, as a means of, uh, as a means of income or, 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 or anything else. Uh, but, uh, situations have come up whereby, um, someone says sure I need I need a drummer uh that would be great or uh uh, I know you play harmonica you know can you set in um what I if I say so myself what I've always prided myself on is I have rarely needed to rehearse for any situation like that um I I'm able to to listen closely enough um that I can anticipate starts and stops with drumming. Uh, I know where the key of a song is, is likely to go with the harmonica. Um,
0: <laughs>
2: one of my favorite experiences uh, with, with that whole sort of thing. Uh, some folks in the singer song songwriter world may be familiar with uh, uh, the name Tom Prasada Rao.
0: Yes. Um,
2: he's, he's actually a national uh, he's, he's from Tacoma park, but, uh, but, uh, he's a national, uh, uh, name. Um, I went to a house concert that Tom, uh, was, uh, was performing at and happened to have my drum and his stuff. It's like certain folks, uh, their material rhythmically just cries out for percussion. It's, it's, you know, and hand percussion just falls right in. So at the break, I asked Tom, um, Man, and it happened to be my birthday, so that helped, you know. But I said, "Man, it's (laughs) it's my it's my birthday. You don't know me; we've not met. But but would you mind if if I played a couple of uh, tunes on on djembe with you?" And um, he said, "Sure." You know, he was in a good mood. He said, "Sure." And uh, so I came up uh, after the break. I played the first song. Uh, He he said. hang out play the second and i played his second song that set and he just and i was getting ready to leave the stage and and he says stay stay just play just play so i played his entire second set and then within six months after that uh he had been um out around the united states and was doing the show back in tacoma park and i got a call uh i'm doing a a concert for uh Institute of Musical Traditions, um, uh, one of their community theater uh, sorts of things, probably seated about, oh, I don't know, 250 people or so, uh, but uh, asked me, could,
0: could,
2: please come and, uh, and and play djembe, and I, I did no rehearsal for that either. Uh, uh, but uh, great, great fun, and I, I'm blessed uh I'm blessed to just be able to do that sort of thing from time to time. It's,
1: uh, so you, do uh, you just feel it or is it? Uh...
2: I I do, um, especially rhythmically speaking. Um, I think I've always had an affinity for, uh, for that type of thing, for feeling that type of thing. Um, my, my first musical instrument was, was when I was about, uh, I don't know, maybe Three years old, something like that, happened to be a, uh, a plastic uh, Mickey Mouse guitar with nylon strings on it, and it had a little crank that, that played a music box inside. But that, that was my first. My second instrument was uh, a full kit of drums uh, that my parents bought for me, and um, tin cymb- ten cymbals cardboard heads i you know nothing nothing at all fancy <laughs> but but that was my second instrument and and i don't know wh- uh whether the drums came before the affinity for rhythm or the other way around but uh uh i i then went on to to bongos later on and and i always um I played bass in a band for about three years at one point in time. So, so that rhythm section thing has, has always been part of what I enjoy, at least. You know? so,
1: so taking that backstory history of a young child, kind mm-hmm. of work your way through to you know, your first real guitar, your first real instrument when you started to perform solo or, or with groups and bring us up to mm-hmm. kind of the present.
2: Okay. (laughs) Um, My first guitar was uh, an airline acoustic guitar, which was being sold by either Montgomery Wards or Sears. I can't recall. Uh, I was about 12 or 13. I think I asked for a guitar, and, and my parents obliged. I tried for probably two weeks maximum to make some cords on the thing and thought this is too hard. I can't do this. And it went in the closet. Um up to the point of being oh man. Um probably about 16 or 17 then. Uh so I just let it go completely. Um I had gotten I had gotten a Yamaha uh one of their F models the 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 lower priced uh acoustic guitars a dreadnought size and uh had had fallen in with some folks uh, and I I was I was picking guitar back up and I was beginning to learn things um it gets a little convoluted in there and I can't strictly remember the timeline but In high school, in my senior year of high school, I had been planning. uh, I had only ever taken one music course ever in my life in school and wasn't all that interested. Um, I had been planning on following a course, uh, going to college uh, for graphic arts. Uh, uh, Art was my big thing. Um, And somewhere during senior year, it must have been the Yamaha guitar I took out to a church coffeehouse, and I played one song that I knew sort of, uh, which was a Jonathan Edwards song, a singer-songwriter from the time. played that song. I came back to school on Monday, and someone said, hey, you know, these guys are starting a band, and, and we heard you play uh, at the coffee house on Saturday night. You really should audition with these guys. And so I did, I auditioned as, as lead singer, uh, with, with, the the band that was starting up, I got the gig and from that moment, <laughs>
0: um,
2: art went out the window and I became a musician. So, uh, uh, uh and, and then it was a, a series of, a series of rock bands and, uh, I became, uh, integrated with the, uh, The folks I had mentioned before, the core of folks who who played on my very first CD, um, I started writing more. Uh, I started at one point in time playing out more solo, um, followed up uh, a timeline like that uh, until the very last cover band I was in broke up. And I was so fed up with the scene, uh, so fed up with playing in bands and playing in electric groups that I took a full five years off, um, was working a day job at the time, uh, until I got the itch again and just couldn't take it. I had to get back out and play music. And at that point in time, I said to myself, I had, I had come to dislike playing solo uh, there were only bars to play in. No one listened. It was a real chore for me. But at that point in time getting back into music, I said to myself, If you want to do this, you you can't be in a band again. You know where that's gonna go for you. So you're gonna to have to do it solo. You're gonna to have to figure it out. And and I did. And um that's become my that's become my thing. It's been uh 25 years at least at this point uh, that that I've been uh, a, a primarily a solo player. So uh, I guess that kind of brings us up to, to now.
1: It does, and I met you in the early 2000s. Would have been 2000 yeah. or 2001 at the snafu, and I think oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we were still up at Braddock Inn. Well, okay. I, sure. If I recall, right, we right, did right. six or seven or eight, right. maybe as many as 10 there before we moved to the Frederick Coffee Company. But I mm-hmm. do remember, at least I think I remember, you had been touring or traveling somewhat as a songwriter at that point in time. And as I've mentioned on Mike, in some of the shows we've done together or introducing you, that we went to Denny's after one of those shows. It's like <laughs> midnight or 1215. It was David exactly Morioli right. and yourself and me and... Kate was with us, I think, or Oh yeah, yeah. And I remember saying to you, Gosh, you know, I can't wait to be, become a songwriter like you. And you said to me, and and I remember this clearly, you said, But <laughs> but Todd, you are a songwriter. Because exactly. I had never thought of myself as one. And I thank you for that because it allowed me to move forward with my songs and present them. So thank you very much
2: wonderful i'm i'm very very glad to hear that well you know the thing is yeah uh, if if you write songs well if you you don't even need to perform songs if you write songs you're a songwriter uh if you're performing what you've written um i i think i think it's easy to um over romanticize sometimes you you think oh well I'll, i i have this person in my mind that i see as the ideal and uh uh oh i'll never be like them but in the meantime the nuts and bolts of it you're you are exactly like them right now you know um so yeah no please go ahead
1: no i was just going to say so what is the songwriting process like for you or and, Um, and how has it changed from when you started in the beginning
2: okay um well, I can say one thing right off the bat as far as change goes. Uh, I do remember, like I say, I had been writing. I had been writing pretty much from the get-go. Not a lot in the beginning, but my first songs were more geared toward rock and roll bands that I was playing with. So I would structure things to to definitely have a particular drum beat to definitely have uh, a bass part and always, always to have, um, solo parts, uh, instrumental solo parts for the electric guitar, for the keyboard, what have you. So all of my songs were structured that way, um, for years. And the biggest change came when I started writing for myself, uh, the first bunch of songs I wrote had instrumental breaks in them that ended up just being me strummy, strummy on the guitar uh because I, I couldn't do rhythm and lead at the same time, you know obviously, uh and I'm not sure I was playing much harmonica then uh to fill the gaps so i after a bit, I realized you know if you're writing for yourself and if you're just playing these solo. You need to restructure songs so you don't necessarily have those instrumental breaks in there uh, do a do a bridge differently repeat a chorus do something that fills fills the gap without having to to have the uh, the instrumental parts in there uh, so that that was a big change um in terms of uh the process uh I think probably the biggest question that all writers get asked, do you write the lyrics first or the music first? Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll be honest that that's really, uh, it really, really just depends uh, for me. Uh, I'll make notes. I'll jot notes of phrases down that, that might turn into a lyric later on. So I'll have those lying around but I'm constantly also noodling with guitar parts. Uh, And and so an awful lot of the time, uh, a guitar riff will turn into, will sort of blossom into something else. And then I'll try and figure out what do I have around lyrically that I can fit into this cool phrase uh, uh, instrumentally that I now have, you know? So, uh, um, But then also, I think I'm always, I don't write, I say I don't write frequently, and that means that I don't turn out complete songs with with any amount of speed, but I do think that I have things going on in the back of my head always, because it does seem that once I get the idea for something, I can turn it into a completed song, usually within the course of, of a week, if not a few days. And I think that's because a lot of this is just percolating in the back of my head. Um, and I, I think other folks work the same way, but uh, it, it's not always nuts and bolts on a piece of paper every day. It's sort of getting processed back there and then presents itself, uh, If you if you get that.
1: Now, do you get, like most of us, do or i say most of us i can really only speak from my my own situation do you get writer's block and if you do how do you break out of it
2: (laughs) oh lord someone please tell me i don't know (laughs) Uh, i i have been mm, the frequency of my coming out with a completed song uh here lately has been has been less and less uh in fact i've i've started trying to work more on instrumental things uh mm-hmm. just because i i don't seem to have the inspiration uh lyrically uh w- within the past um, i don't know it's been a while it's been it's been a year it's been maybe more um and so i i i wish i had comforting Thoughts on how to, how to break out of that? I, I really don't. Um, I have tended in the past to find that um, I was writing more during times of 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 not being emotionally well. Uh, you know, ha- having some difficulties of one or another, uh, and I can't say that. I, I have been happier, <laughs> but 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 there there has still been some troubled times uh, and and they're still not really bringing forth the song. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Without rambling on too much about that, that's that's kind of what I have to say there, I guess. Uh,
1: well, you have done I if someone asks me and they say, well, because I do get sometimes emails from from people on my weekly listener list that I send out. I'll get a question. There's two or three people who may not have heard of somebody and they'll say, Todd, what is that person like? What's their music like? Mm -hmm. If they ask me about you, I say, well, first of all, he's a terrific guitar player. He has kind of a a folky jazz, sometimes almost like a bossa nova feel to some Mm -hmm. of his, um, and you don't strum a whole lot now. You you do a lot of, that's what I say, that bossa nova, where you're plucking on multiple strings and giving it mm -hmm. kind of a rhythm all on its own. So the, um, that's, but you've also, you've done kind of jazz and I guess, and you referred to it in an email yesterday, you said genre hopping.
2: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, if we want to talk about that a little bit. Sure. (laughs) a, A blessing and a curse, I do believe, uh. Wow, uh going all the way back to almost as far as I can remember, really, um, my tastes in music have been so varied uh, i'll I'll grab onto something and and then hear something else and my head gets whipped around and I go in that direction. Um, then when it came to... So writing my own songs, all that got incorporated, and, and I found myself—I'd well, want to emulate the singer-songwriters, so I'd want to try and write something like James Taylor, and then I'd get into a thing where, oh man, I, I, I really love— uh, Al Jarreau this month, you know, and 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 not that I'd ever really sound like any of those people necessarily, but the influences in my mind would come into my to my writing. So, over the years, I've gone from writing things and playing things that sounded sort of country focus to more more jazz, uh, less folk, uh, more, um, I right now and and my voice has changed over the years too. So that, that, that comes into things right now. I kind of call myself, um, I'm not sure what they call it, but, but I, I feel like there's maybe more of a little R and D and soul influence in some things. Um, But And and I think that's great if one can also manage to sound like themselves uh, and just incorporate the influences. I I think the downside for me has been I've gotten so wrapped up over the years in, in really, really loving a certain thing at one point, and I'll throw myself completely into that, To the detriment of any other styles that I've done, and and I think over the course of time, I've maybe thrown some listeners for a loop uh, in that they'll hear a show or they'll hear a CD and go, oh, okay, that guy does that. I like that. And then next month, I come out (laughs) sounding (laughs) like something different, and they go, what? Wait a minute. (laughs) So, but I, I'm trying to take my wife's advice at this point in time, and and not go too far off the rails with anything. Uh, try and, and be as much like me, whatever that is, as I can manage, and just incorporate influences, and and not try to be Mick Jagger or Al Jarreau or. <laughs> or anybody else in particular, you know.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of influences, let's go back to your high school years and then your college years, because that's, okay. that's the time many musicians slash songwriters find that that's where they're... In other words, the childhood through early adult is where they get most right. of their their right. musical influences. Who were your favorite people to listen to, groups, people, whatever, in that time period?
2: Um... Let me preface by saying all my cover songs, 90 uh, percent of, of the cover songs that I do play right now are from the 70s. So that, <laughs> that answers a lot right there. But um, I, I, I started out, uh, well, uh, in, in bands from high school. Uh, so, so what was big at the time uh, was and and I'm an old guy. I'm I'm 65 at this point. So so I I came up in the came up in the late 60s, early 70s, when you could turn on the radio and hear just an amazing array of music within within a, a 15 minute time frame. You could hear the four tops to Jimi Hendrix to uh, Gladys Knight to, oh, I don't know, you know, Steve Miller. Uh, just a, a ton of, uh, and I guess this was still, well, this was just the beginning of, of FM radio. Still some of this was AM. Um, but th- there, there were no restrictions. There were no genres on radio. Uh, they played everything. And so I loved everything. Um, but the, the, the band the first band that I got into was, was more of a hard rock thing. And, and we played, uh, we played Hendrix. We played some Crosby, Stills and Nash. We played, um, uh, there was a guy from Ireland at the time who had crossed over to the U S and was more kind of blues, uh, Rory Gallagher. Um, we probably played some Led Zeppelin, um, at that point in time, it was mostly anything that you could incorporate a fifteen minute guitar solo into <laughs> uh, so and which would you know i think we we played our first dances with probably you know eight songs and just but they all you know they all went crazy um so so I started out kind of liking santana was another one of course uh um. That sort of hard rock thing, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of rhythmic uh, influence in in quite a bit of that music. Um, I fell into loving singer songwriters at one point in time, and so that kind of became a dichotomy. Uh, I, like I say, I started out. Uh, after bands and even during some of the bands playing some solo stuff and trying to do the singer songwriter thing, the, the more, um, the more intimate stuff, um, went back later into playing strictly in cover bands, uh, uh and, and, doing a semi lounge thing. Uh, and at that point in time, then it became sort of, uh, Oh, there was Jay Giles band. I remember, um, a lot of a lot of danceable uh, music, which maybe wasn't my favorite music to listen to, but uh, and then from there uh, coming back into being a, a solo performer, I got uh, there wasn't a lot of the the band stuff I could I could replicate anyway, so I, I threw myself wholeheartedly into singer-songwriter, and and thankfully, that from the 70s forward, if you <laughs> kind of discount the disco years, um, that has become so rich uh, from James Taylor on and on, but um, I haven't listened probably in the past 20 years. I've listened to more independent artists and, and gotten CDs for more people that i know from the circuit or 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 from the 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 folk group uh um of players out there i've listened to more of those people and gotten more recorded material from them than i ever have major label signed uh artists there is just so much wonderful wonderful music out there by independent independent folks that that if you don't know them, you may never stumble upon them, but uh, uh, but they're they're out there and they're doing.
1: It is quite phenomenal amazing work. Yeah, it is quite amazing since you and I kind of circle in the same group, which right. I call the Frederick, starting with Snafu, going onward to the uh, you know Brewers Alley and so forth, but a lot of songwriting, how many talented people there are in this world, and our world is very small, really. When you think of uh,
2: comparatively, comparatively,
1: yeah. and mm-hmm. yet there are so many super talented people, it just amazes me.
2: And, and so many of them never get the recognition they deserve. That is correct. Uh, uh, it's a, it, it's so much a luck of the draw, uh, especially these days with the music business. Uh, so yeah.
1: <laughs> well, let's 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 ask you this question: If someone asks you. What are the top three names of either solo performers or groups that are your favorites? If you had to rate them one, two, and three, who would it be?
2: Oh, my goodness.
1: <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot.
2: I, that is, you don't realize, uh, here Here again, because I, I love so many different types of things. And it, it comes down to, uh, well... You look at what ends up on my my personal iTunes playlist, and uh, well, and here's another thing
0: <laughs>
2: Spotify and that sort of thing. I don't really listen to much streaming music even even now i i I, I curate. Uh, a bunch of music that, that, uh, that I acquire and I put it on a personal iTunes playlist and that's how I listen to music. So, uh, but, uh, but I, but I come across music. Um, uh, still most of it is going to be singer songwriter at this point. Uh, but, but it goes week from week, week to week. Um, I just recorded, uh, I covered a song on my latest, uh, EP by a guy who's probably, no more than in his thirties at this point in time. He's, uh, from, uh, new England, uh, fellow by the name of Putnam Smith. Um, he plays, uh, banjo and mandolin and some guitar and his style is sort of Neo old time, I guess you would call it, but, but his, his lyrics are a lot more pop, uh, So he's doing real interesting stuff and he, and he's, he's even cut back from touring. You know, a a lot of us, you say, I don't tour as much. And that's probably true. Even guys, even guys as young as him that were touring consistently five years ago have cut back. Uh, But there's, there's a guy. So if if anybody wants to look these people up, there's a guy named Putnam Smith. Um, There's a guy out of Nashville uh, by the name of, uh, corby lenker yes uh you know corby okay uh excellent excellent um uh
1: he taught me how to tie a bow tie
2: are you kidding me yeah he he had a
1: little video on youtube on how to tie a bow tie
2: wonderful yes he wears a bow tie yes exactly exactly (laughs) so funny um who's the gentleman um Oh wow, well, I'm drawing a blank on someone else, and I have to apologize. But, but, but at any rate, you know, I, I would encourage people um, if 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 acoustic is what you're into, if singer songwriter is what you're into, um, go onto YouTube and just type in singer songwriter, type in uh, type in solo acoustic music. Um, See what that feeds you for a while and kind of go down the rabbit hole because you click on link to link to link and you can come up with some amazing artists here again. That's uh, uh, what I do often and and why I am constantly coming up with new favorites, because here's here's a person uh, that I did not realize last week that existed at all. And now they're my favorite performer. So, uh, uh uh, I, I think that's a great resource. Uh, the the internet is a wonderful thing for that uh, alone. You oh, know?
1: It really has just opened up, well, I can only speak for myself, but it has opened up a whole new world of music for me because growing up on Cape Cod, during mm-hmm. the summer months, you worked. That's how you made your money. Sure. During the winter months, you were at school and doing sports. I didn't get a chance to go to many concerts and things that many of my contemporaries did so I get mm-hmm. to see concerts on YouTube from that time period that I could not have gone to. Maybe I couldn't afford oh, the ticket or okay. couldn't get there. So sure. it right. is a wonderful platform. Vimeo is another one, although YouTube tends to be the more popular of the two. So I agree uh, with you.
2: Yeah, uh, it's um, cr- crazy stuff out there. All sorts of wonderful music, and and not to mention uh, the fact that as far as as far as that that platform now uh talking about uh, technology and self-promotion and what one is able to do on their own um i've recorded uh, a bunch of videos of my own stuff just here in the house that uh i've uploaded to to youtube and i've done some to to vimeo um i i regularly uh if it's a if it's a show in a nice venue, um uh, uh, my wife will, will bring out the, the video equipment or I'll have someone video and, uh, you know, what we're able to, uh, to then put up on YouTube and have seen, uh, globally, potentially, uh, uh, that, that just, it, that's part of the, the part of the, our ability to, to, to self promote our own work now, um, here again, uh, not really that long ago um we not only could not have recorded our own commercial material but we couldn't have uh uh you know being seen on a video uh uh online was was really just not possible for the normal artist and now it's it's you know it's like tying your shoes like you say you know it's it's uh, it's about the easiest thing in the world. So,
1: um, well, you've been fairly successful with getting some of your songs on radio. Um, and I'm an old school guy. Radio can be YouTube or whatever, but I'd still call it the radio. I understand. At one point in time, I think you had a song that was played, was it in Denmark or Holland or somewhere?
2: Um, I don't recall recently, actually within the past month, uh, I I got some airplay in the UK um, and that was, that was cool. Uh, I, unfortunately I don't plan on touring over there uh, anytime in the near future. So I'm not sure what that play uh, may may get for me, but um, uh, I I still do. uh, In fact, if if there are no travel restrictions uh, by by the end of April and and if things are, are safe enough, I still do have two um, terrestrial radio show interviews on the books for the end of April, uh, and there there still are a number of, uh, of folks um, broadcasting. These these are both uh, NPR sanctioned uh, uh, stations. Um, there still are a, a lot of folks doing terrestrial radio, uh, much more on the internet these days, but, uh, I, and I, I, I do have to, I, I don't, um, I don't know how I may have gotten myself in, into the position of being able to have songs broadcast, uh, uh, but i i bless all the folks <laughs> who uh who uh all the dj's and the and the, and the programmers who uh deem me uh, somewhat worthy <laughs> because it's it is an amazing thing.
1: Well what is the the top song of yours that gets the most airplay?
2: Um i think i i am not positive but i think it may be uh Buddha drives a minivan. Uh, I think that may be the top one, and maybe just because it's, it's slightly quirky enough that it, it grabs people's attention,
0: uh, if, if
2: just by the title. So uh, um, I actually had a fellow uh, – I get a fair amount of airplay uh, on a program called the Acoustic Highway that is on WHRV out of Norfolk. And I had a guy contact me out of the blue via via messenger um, maybe a couple of months ago now. Uh, who said, I, I was driving from Richmond uh, back toward the Tidewater area in Virginia, and uh, he apparently listens to the radio, uh, listens to that, that show on the radio all the time. Uh, they played Buddha. He said, I was so intrigued that I, as soon as I got home, I went on the internet, I looked you up again on the internet and listened to the song again, found a link. And, uh, and I'm now contacting you via Facebook and we became Facebook friends and, and this and that. So, um, every now and then it happens. And and it's so cool that someone contacts you physically and said, Hey, I heard you here and I like this song and I wanted to know more. And, uh, uh, this is who I am, and and uh, and uh, and you make a new a new friend, a new fan. Uh, it's uh, it's a beautiful thing.
1: <laughs> well, you know, hopefully you will continue to gain fans, and this has been a lot of fun for me because even though I've known you for twenty some odd years,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: and we we used to get a chance to chat quite often when we did those Thursday. Uh, sit-downs with uh, I, I Brian Maddox and morning. Kevin Domolino, and, <laughs> and, but I've learned a lot more about you. And that's re- the, one of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast series was to get, I love backstories. So you were part of my backstory stories. How about that?
2: Thank you. I, I've listened to every one of your podcasts so far and uh, have enjoyed every one. And, and yeah, I agree. I'm I'm learning things about the folks you have interviewed that I did not know previously. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, thank you so much for doing this.
1: Oh, you're most welcome. I'm having a fun time doing it, but I do have <laughs> one final question for you. Sure. When you performed that Jonathan Edwards tune so long ago, which Jonathan <laughs> Edwards song was it?
2: It was, um, it was a, t- a song from, I think his first album called Sometimes.
1: Wonderful song and
2: you know, it's it's about it's about a it's a maybe a three chord song mm-hmm. that i think i if i recall i performed badly with perhaps two songs or two chords because those were all i knew on the guitar <laughs> but it got me a band gig
1: so. you know and the wonderful thing is jonathan edwards still tours
2: he does he does yes
1: and he's yes. a little bit older than i am uh, but not by much
2: that's the good thing. That's the nice thing about about the folk music genre and, and related genres, blues and, and country to an extent. The traditional country is, it doesn't really matter how old you are, you know? That I like that.
1: <laughs> well, this has been wonderful, Doug. Thank you so much for being on the show, and I look forward to seeing you in person when we're allowed to do that.
2: Yes, sir. Yes, please. And- I, uh, soon. <laughs>
1: That's right. And keep writing and keep recording, and we will see you soon.
2: Thank you very much. You have a wonderful day.
1: I will. Thanks so much, Doug.
2: Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.
1: Well, that was Doug Allen Wilcox, great singer-songwriter, local fellow. When I say local, he's in the greater Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Frederick, Maryland area. He lives in Hagerstown right at the moment. I want to thank you folks for sticking around and listening to this wispy mop music radio podcast we do have fun doing it i get well i have a lot of fun hopefully you are too but we're going to finish this the um, episode with the song from doug's cd doug Allen wilcox from 2008 it's called turn on the light
0: Somewhere far from here And my outlook on this world Just ain't too clear Some days I can't seem to find The path to be taken Between your heart and mine When I'm full of doubt Because the road's so far To get back to where we are Find me talking to the Keeper of the Stars.
1: The Wispy Mop Radio Podcast Series is produced by Todd C. Walker and the Wispy Mop Music. Studios here in Frederick, Maryland, thank you so much for listening. All music played on the podcast has been done so with the approval and permission of every artist. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to share the show with friends and family, they can either look it up on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, or they can go directly to Music dot podbean dot com and podbean is spelled p-o-d-b-e-a-n again thank you so much for listening we'll catch you next time
0: Keeper keep